Yeah, so basically, this is aimed at people who may not be too familiar with the Bloodborne lore. So it's sort of to give a general understanding of what's going on. Because a couple of people did message me and they were like, do you have something that's like, that begins somewhere? Oh, okay. <laughs> that talks about how things maybe started. So yeah, so that's what, 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 it, what it's like. All right. Okay. It's so awkward. How do we start this? I think we have started. Okay, intro take three. <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of Snack Covenant, episode one, which is recorded third. In this episode, <laughs> we'll talk about the plot of Bloodborne, an obscure indie game you probably haven't heard of, especially if you're subscribed to this channel. <laughs> Sinclair, how are you doing today on a podcast that you started <laughs> without telling me and I'm now the co-host of and has a domain name? I'm also good. Let's talk about the plot of Bloodborne. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like a lot of the Souls, actually all the Souls games, what happens is that you arrive pretty much after everything has already happened. And you just piece together the events that have already occurred. So you don't really do very much. You're just a witness to like... The last 1% of a story that's been going since the dawn of time. Here's what happens in Bloodborne. Right. The character that we create. We don't exactly know why they have come to Yharnam. But on the basis of a couple of lines that are said at the start of the game. It looks like we have come to Yharnam because we are looking for something called Pale Blood. And the reason we've come to Yarnum is that Yarnum is a city that is famous for different kinds of blood, as odd as that sounds. The reason they're famous for different kinds of blood is that the central kind of power in Yarnum is a an organization called the Healing Church, or in Japanese it's called the Medical Church, which is kind of a more accurate name. They present themselves as a church. There's a lot of Roman Catholic imagery involved, but in reality they are more like a group of mad scientists who are experimenting with blood. So we have come to Yarnum to find something called pale blood. We get a transfusion of blood. The idea is when you have had this transfusion of special blood from Yarnum, it invigorates you and it heals you. And this is this is kind of the key to the healing church's power. That they can offer this these sort of miraculous medical cures for things. When we after we were given this transfusion, we have a strange vision of a beast creature, looks like a werewolf, reaching out to us. And then as it touches us, it bursts into flames. And then we notice the reason it's burst into flames is that these strange creatures that look like they look like children that have been born with birth defects. They have like cleft palates and like... Their facial features aren't quite formed. They crawl all over us and they seem to have inoculated us against whatever this wolf represented. And then we hear this voice say, oh, you found yourself a hunter. So then we wake up from the procedure and 
having woken up from the procedure, we realized that the clinic we went to is empty. The person who was performing the procedure is gone and we have amnesia and we don't remember anything that's happened prior to the beginning of the procedure. So, as we leave the clinic, we realize that there is a werewolf monster in the middle of the clinic and it is it looks as though it has killed everyone in the clinic. And it probably kills us. There's other ways you can resolve this, but basically the werewolf thing will then kill us. As we die, instead of dying, we just sort of black out and we have another dream. And in this dream, we are in a strange sort of idyllic cottage that appears to be floating in the clouds on a rock. It's just sort of, it's a cottage with a garden outside and there's a lot of gravestones in the garden. And there's a fence around it and outside the fence is just cloud. So we don't, we have no idea where we are. And while we're there, there is a, there is a broken doll of a woman. It's a life-size doll. It doesn't move and it's just lying there. And then the same strange creatures that crawled on us appear and they offer us a weapon. There's various ones they offer you. You just have to pick one. And then when we pick the weapon, we wake up back in the clinic. Now armed with a weapon, we can kill the werewolf. We then break out of the clinic and we discover that the whole of Yarnum has gone to shit. There are these monsters everywhere. And the people of Yarnum are out purging them. So there's these mobs of men with improvised weapons like saws and meat cleavers with burning torches and they're patrolling the streets trying to get rid of all these beasts. Uh, if we, The problem is that they believe that the reason for all these creatures in Yarnum and the reason Yarnum is falling apart is because of foreigners. So we're a foreigner and they see us as no different to the beasts. So if they see us, they will attack us. And we can't really find shelter anywhere because every door we knock on, there is someone saying, oh, another foreigner, like you're dead. You're out in the night of the hunt. They're going to kill you. So we find there's one helpful person there who is a man called Gilbert. He is in a little house and he talks to us about how, like, he is also a foreigner and he's stuck in Yarnum because he's sick. He can't leave. He's an invalid. He's bedridden. And uh, he tells us that if you're looking for this pale blood thing that seems to be your obsession, then you have to go to the Grand Cathedral where the Healing Church are. They might be able to tell you what happens. That is our goal. We head to the Grand Cathedral. On the way, we encounter several, there are possibly one or two, depending on what the route we take, clerics that have turned into beasts. One is a very large monster. One is a slightly smaller monster. Um, during this point, we will probably, one of the mechanics kicks in, which is called insight. So the idea is the more strange things you witness in Yarnum, the more insight you gain. And when we have uh, enough insight and we go and we we go back to our dream of the cottage thing, the doll has come to life and is talking to us. 
and she explains that you're a hunter now. And you realize it's the same voice that was in the hallucination at the start. She says to you, like, you're the new hunter and there's a man here called German who will help you. He will advise you when you go speak to German. German is inside the cottage. You realize the cottage is actually this sort of workshop area where German has been building weapons. German is a very old man in a wheelchair and he has one leg. And he talks to you about how he used to be a hunter and you're the new hunter. And he doesn't really offer much of an explanation. He just says like, well, just go out. Don't think too hard about any of this. Just go out and keep killing beasts. That's what you're here to do. He doesn't really fill you in on anything. And um, so... As you progress toward the Grand Cathedral, you eventually, depending on the route you take, you may end up meeting a character called Alfred, who tells you that he's also a member of the Church Hunters, and he- no, he tells you he is- he used to be a Beast Hunter, and now he's what's called an Executioner. He talks about how there is a- He he says he's basically he's out on the hunt as well. This is not very well explained, but basically Alfred is going to a place called Old Yarnum, which is just an it's it's not a separate town, it's just an old part of Yarnum that is called Old Yarnum. And when you go down to Old Yarnum, it's blockaded. You can't th- there's a sign on the door saying hunters not welcome. If you go through the door, you Get attacked. There are. It's full of beasts. There's no humans there apart from like. No, there's, there's yeah. When you go to Old Yarnum, it is just beasts everywhere. The the mobs that patrol the other parts of Yarnum aren't there, but it's absolutely filled with beasts. And at that point, you get attacked by a human who is um trying to force you out of there, and he's basically saying to you like, the beasts don't mean you any harm. Just stay away from here. And the further you press into Old Yarnum, you realize that this was somewhere that the healing church effectively conducted an experiment. And they started introducing a new kind of blood into this this closed off part of Yarnum. And then something happened that caused all of the people there to turn into beasts. And the person who was trying to stop you from getting in is or was, was like you are. He was a hunter on that night. And he, he was sent to basically burn down and destroy all Diana to contain it. And then when he realized that all the beasts he was dealing with were just people, that it had this blood given to them, he couldn't bring himself to actually kill them. So he sort of switched sides and he became like, I'm going to defend this town. Um... <laughs> The important thing that you discover in Old Yarnum is that way, way down the bottom, there is a very, very old church, and it has these grotesque sort of beast figures carved into it. And inside the church is a chalice. It's like a, a grail thing. And German explains that these grail things are used to, he says, reveal the tomb of the gods. What the tomb of the gods is 
is that it is a series of passages and catacombs underneath Yarnum that are the and that that these catacombs are the source of the healing church's strange blood that they find that the church send these prospectors down into the tombs underneath Yarnum to find this blood that is just lying around the sort of rich like element things that they find there like um relics like strange sort of left behind ritual materials things like that and you that's where you encounter these creatures called the thumerians who are a pre-human race they are basically humans but they are a couple of heads taller they have very very pale skin their eyes are completely black and they live in these catacombs underneath Yarnum. So you probably won't get very far at this point. So then you go back to the Grand. You finally reach the Grand Cathedral. You realize that the Grand Cathedral is being guarded by the same Thumerians. Um, but they're dressed in the garb of the Healing Church. Uh, this includes, like, these uh, Thumerians. There are sort of normal Thumerians who are about seven foot tall. And then there are these enormous, gigantic ones that look like giant zombies that are the church is using to guard themselves. And you realize that what has happened is after the complete disaster that was old Yarnum, and after everything else that's going wrong in Yarnum, the healing church have blocked themselves off. They've gone into siege mode. Because the Yarnamites have turned on the Healing Church. They finally realized that the Healing Church are the ones who are causing all these problems. So, they're now going to attack the Healing Church. So, the Healing Churches have basically started using these Thumerian people that they find in the in the catacombs as their guards. You find the head of the Healing Church, who is a woman called Amelia. As soon as you meet her, when you meet her, she is knelt and she's kneeling down. She's praying. She is praying to this horrible, it looks like a cross between a wolf and an ape skull on an altar. And uh, shortly after you meet Amelia, she transforms into a beast and has to be killed. When you touch the skull, um, this is. Annoyingly, this is revealed to you through a note on the ground that is most people miss, but it says um, to learn Master Lawrence's adage, touch the skull. Lawrence is the founder of the Healing Church. And you realize, oh, the horrible beast skull is Lawrence's skull. And he he also turned into a beast. And when you touch the skull, you get a flashback to when Lawrence first broke uh first decide basically to when lawrence went off in the direction that his life would take um you flashback it's a flashback to an old college that is outside yarnum and you see lawrence talking to his old master and they're having an argument about whether or not it is right to use this blood that they have found and lawrence's master is saying like this is a betrayal. Like, you, you should not do this. I can't stop you, but, like, you have to be wary and you have to fear this thing that you have found. 
And Lawrence is saying, like, well, you know, you're stubborn and you just won't listen. And it ends with them, Lawrence leaving. And during that, Lawrence and his mentor both say this sort of, um, it's like a motto to themselves about fear the old blood. The fear the old blood motto turns out to be a the password for a door. There's a that turns out that Willem has after Lawrence left the college, Willem, who was the master of the college, put a guard uh for some reason there is only one door between Yarnum and this college, but we'll just ignore that the logistics of that. He said to the doorman do not let anyone through this unless they tell you this, the motto of the adage of Bergenworth, which is fear the old blood. Um, also, prior to this, the hunter can have, if you know what you're doing, uh, started sending people in Yarnum to this chapel. It's called Erden Chapel. And one of the people you can send there is a prostitute called Ariana. Um, this is relevant later on. So what happens is the hunter is able to go through the door and reach this old college, which is called Bergenworth. Upon reaching Bergenworth, it is revealed that this is sort of the, the beginning of everything that the Scholars and uh, the, yeah, the the academics in Bergenworth used to go down into the catacombs as well, and that is where they found the blood to begin with. And the reason that the Healing Church was founded is that Lawrence had that disagreement with his mentor about the uses of this blood. And the reason Lawrence founded the church was he thought he could control its power. And... The master of the college was very wary. Master of the college is a man called Willem. And he's very, very wary of the potential that this blood has. Because he knew that it would start transforming people. And he thought humans are not enlightened enough for this power. And then you also find out that at the bottom of all of this is that when they went into the catacombs... They found, they didn't just find the Thumerians, they found the things the Thumerians used to worship and work and basically were the slaves of, which were these things called the Great Ones, who are, effectively, they are the highest apex, I guess, of evolution. There's not a specific, they're not a specific species or a specific kind of creature. The idea is they are so evolved that they can no longer reproduce, which is an odd, it's a sort of, it's not a, a rational concept. It's just how the game works. That because they've evolved to that point, they can't continue to have children because there is like the child can't be more evolved than they are. Like it's, it's not a scientifically sound concept. Um, and that the purpose of all this screwing around with blood was that the properties of the blood, if used correctly on someone who was sufficiently enlightened, would allow you to become a being on that level. It would allow you to ascend in, into a new kind of species. So, what happens is that during the 
uh, during the exploration of Bergenworth, you fall into a lake. And inside the lake is a huge spider creature, which you have to fight. And then after defeating the spider, you see that um, after de- after defeating the spider, a gigantic red moon suddenly descends out of the sky and you hear a baby crying. And then you, you look and you see that there is a Fumerian woman in what looks like a wedding dress and her abdomen is stained with blood. And she's looking toward the, the red moon as it descends. And when you get back to Yarnum after that, uh, Yarnum is completely, it is effectively destroyed at that point by this red moon. That it's, it's a retread of what happened in old Yarnum. If you go back to Gilbert, you find that Gilbert has become a beast and he is trying to kill you. Um, this is where the cut content becomes an issue because one of the original plans, which they couldn't go with for, it looks like technical and, um, time reasons is that they did want Yarnum to be completely filled with beasts at this point, but they weren't able to pull it off for some reason. Anyway, um, this is where the, the story not being entirely linear is a bit odd because at any point after leaving Yarnum for the, for Bergenworth, we could also have, have, have visited a place called Kanehurst, which is a big Gothic castle on the outskirts of Yarnum. And when we go to Kanehurst, we discover that it is filled with the bodies. There's been some sort of battle there and there's just corpses all over the place. And importantly, there's like healing church corpses. And we find there that there is a, a wall of portraits and a lot of the portraits are of people who look like they are halfway between a Thumerian and a person. So they will be wearing a kind of pseudo-Thumerian garb, or they will have like, very Thumerian features, but they'll also look human. And again, this is another content issue. There is a big portrait of someone there who is wearing what used to be the Healing Church uniform, and it's not there anymore because they changed what the uniform looked like but didn't update the picture. Right, so the idea is that the Thumeri- this um. Kanehurst Place, the old royal family that live there are a Thumerian family that have over the generations sort of gradually become more and more human. And also they had contact with the healing church at some point. Um, and also I think the idea is that the portrait you find is of Lawrence, but we never actually see Lawrence's face in game. So it's a bit all over the place. Um, so what happens is that uh, the other thing at Kanehurst that we find is we find stuff from the Chalice Dungeons. Chalice, we find stuff from the, the Catacomb area that further, like, solidifies that, like, Kanehurst is, is Thumerians who became human over time. We also find a dress that looks exactly like Ariana's dress. The dress that Ariana, the woman we sent to the chapel, is wearing. So... What the game is doing at this point, and it, it never comes out and says it, but it's what's happening, is that Yarnum literally grew out of this Thumerian underground labyrinth. It was just they just kept building up until they got to Yarnum. And over the generations, 
they sort of forgot their heritage. They forgot that they were Thumerian and they just became people, but with this sort of latent Thumerian aspect to them, which is, <laughs> which is why they are all obsessed with blood, because the Thumerians were also obsessed with blood. And the sort of strongest Thumerian line was the line at Canehurst and Ariana is the Ariana is the most um she she's like closer to Thumerian than human at this point. So part of what this red moon does is it causes Ariana to fall pregnant with the child of a great one. Um so Ariana is now has now gone from like completely uh, she's basically become pregnant and entered into almost childbirth within, like, an hour. It happened very rapidly. Uh, because she has that Thumerian blood in her. Because the Red Moon is descending. So, the other thing, that what the Red Moon is doing is it breaks down the- It's described as breaking down the barriers. So, the, the dream that we ended up in, the, our dream of the, of the cottage and the workshop and the doll- is one of many different dreams which are all kind of parallel. They're all sort of like other dimensions and other universes. And what happens is that the Red Moon causes the barrier between them to break down and they start kind of colliding. So we start to see that there are these huge spider things crawling all over Yarnum. They've been attracted there by what is going on. A part of old Yarnum that is cut off from the rest of it and wasn't visible before before the Red Moon appeared, called Yahargul. And in in Yahargul, there is a group of healing church sort of, I guess, radical fringe members called the School of Mensis, who are attempting to attempting to make contact with these great ones. And they're doing it through a um this is where it gets slightly confusing. They're trying to make contact with the Great Ones, which involved the summoning of- which involved them calling down this Red Moon thing. And, again, this is not very well explained. You don't know exactly how or why. The spider in the lake was what was stopping the Red Moon. So, it was holding it back. So, when the spider was defeated, the ritual that the people of Mensis were performing to beckon the Red Moon suddenly worked. So you go into Yahargul after this ritual thing has happened and you discover that the whole of Yahargul has been wiped out. There are these Thumerians just wandering around. There are, there was a, it looks like the ritual involved a sort of mass human sacrifice. And you see that all of the body parts that were involved in the sacrifice have start have kind of come back to life again and there's just these piles of of skulls and limbs and things moving around and those huge spider things are all clinging to the buildings and watching so you make it through yahargol and you find the corpse of the head of the school of mensis who is a guy called mikolash he is he is a his corpse is mummified and he just seems to be dead and when you when you touch his corpse, you end up inside another one of these dream spaces, which looks to be his dream space. And it's, um, it takes the form of this 
ruined uh sort of it's again it's it's like the like our dream it's floating in the clouds and it is a strange uh god of gothic castle suspended in nothing and it is um if you do enough exploration in the in the catacombs you discover that this is actually the the remnants of a previous civilization called Lauren, which was destroyed under very similar circumstances to Yarnum being destroyed. And um, we also find that the cottage that we visit in the dream is a real place as well. And it, it's you're visiting sort of a memory, like a snapshot of this place that's suspended in time. So we make our way through the Gothic castle area and we meet Mikolaj. Mikolash starts talking about, he says a lot of things because he runs around babbling and he mentions that there is, um, he talks about, he's talking to something called cause. We don't know what it is. He just says, cause, cause, can you hear our prayers? And then one of the lines he says when he's doing that is like, cause, as you once did for the vacuous rom, grant us eyes. And the vacuous rom was the spider that you fought in the lake. So- this is where it starts to sort of coalesce into that the spider you fought in the lake wasn't always a spider. That was a person who went through, it was, a, you know, it was part of this attempt to elevate people to this higher state of being. Rom was a person who became this spider thing. And it was through the intervention of something called cause. And Mikolash is calling to cause. So, after you beat Mikolash, you find that in the depths of the nightmare, that Thumerian woman in the wedding dress is there and she is crying and she is looking toward this. Uh, the game just calls it a lunarium. It's just a room, uh, like an, an exposed outdoor area where there is a baby carriage. You can hear a baby crying and you can see her crying and sort of reaching, like looking toward the baby as in like, that's her baby. Her baby was stolen. When you reach the Lunarium, uh, the child is there. There's all these dead members of Mensis outside of it. They look like they have been mummified like Mikolash was. And inside the room, Inside the Lunarium, you are confronted with a strange beast uh, creature. Not a beast, uh, like a, a monster thing. It's never really explained. Called uh, Murgo's Wet Nurse. That is guarding, that is basically guarding Murgo. Murgo is the child in the, in the pram. And that has control over Murgo. By defeating it, you free Murgo's spirit. And in doing, once you've done that... Um, the woman is very grateful and she bows to you. That is about where the game ends um, in terms of the story. And then a lot more was added in some DLC and from more Chalice adventures. Um, so at this point, um, the first thing is that if you keep going deeper and deeper into the catacombs, you encounter eventually... Um, and you cannot do this till the very end of the game because you need different items to unlock different parts of the catacombs. And one of them you cannot get until you have completed the Mensis area, Nightmare of Mensis. And that reveals that the Queen of the Thumerians, um, the Thumerians always had a queen. 
the queen was chosen because she would bear the child of a great one, because great ones can't have children of their own. And that um, she would always pick- she was given a name that was like a ceremonial Fumerian name. So, if you go down, 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 all the way down to the deepest part of the catacombs, you encounter the same Fumerian woman you've seen. But it's at a point in time before the child was stolen, and you realize that her name is Yarnum. So, Yarnum, the city, is actually- it solidifies that Yarnum is a Fumerian city. And you realize that Queen Yarnum of the Fumerians- she had her child stolen and used as a lure by Mikolash and the School of Mensis, who were trying to get in contact with something called Koz. And we never found out what Koz was. Then the D- then they released a DLC called The Old Hunters. And that is effectively um, the missing bits of the game. So, in the DLC of The Old Hunters, we discover- uh, some information that isn't really essential to the story, but most importantly, the final section of the old hunters. I mean, one of the really the only important thing we find out in the old hunters is that the doll is based on a woman called Maria, who was uh, an apprentice of German. And we don't know exactly how she died or what happened, but the doll is based on her and German is presumably keeping it as a means to keep her alive in his memory somehow. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. It doesn't work. <laughs> Basically, like the thing is, it was going to be a different explanation, and um, but we have two whole podcasts. We have two whole podcasts on, on that, and one yeah. on the doll. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the most important part of the of the um, DLC is the very very end, in which you are transported to a, a fishing village on the coast. Of uh, presumably it's somewhere near Yarnum. There's this coastal fishing village, and the the people that live there are not quite human. They have fish features to them. They have very pale, hairless skin. They have scales. And they have fins, and they have sort of distended heads. And it turns out that and one of the people you meet there is um there is a, a guy who's just referred to as he's like a priest. He looks, um, he's a non-human sort of fishman priest, and he's, when you meet him, he's cursing the hunters. He's cursing Bergenworth, and he's saying, like, Bergenworth did this, and Bergenworth will suffer. And he specifically says, by the wrath of Mother Coz. So suddenly, it, it things start sort of clicking. You make your way through the hamlet, and you discover that Coz, in this case, is a sort of whale mermaid fish thing that this village worshipped. She was like a god to them. And because the people of Bergenworth were so... that They wanted to know about sort of the physiology of these creatures. Like how, if we're going to try to become like this, we have to understand how their bodies work. We have to understand like what it is about them that makes them different to us. So they raided and killed pretty much everyone in this hamlet and took their bodies away and sort of dissected them. This included Cos, who was killed and then she was gutted and they found a child inside her. So, this is where, like, the story, it, it's no longer really linear because this is really filling in backstory. So, what happened is, 
when Bergenworth found the corpse of Coz, like they, they, it's assumed that they killed her. Um, they didn't say it, but it's assumed that they killed her because they're why everyone is mad at them. So what happened was Bergenworth uh, killed Coz, removed Coz's child, and then within Coz's child they found an organ called the, which they call either the third chord or the chord of the eye. Um, it's given two different names. And what happened was they they reasoned that the chord of the eye was integral in sort of elevating consciousness to the level of the great ones. So they take the child away. Very specifically, the you can hear someone in the village chanting, and she says, "Mother is dead, her baby taken." So Bergenworth took the child back to their college, and I think just dissected it. And in that they find the, the cord of the eye. And it turns out that the cord of the eye, because it is a left behind, it's something that, it's an organ that only grows in the children of the great ones. Specifically just that they don't have it, it's just their children. And because it is, and it, it, it's the, it's the link between the parent and the child. So what you can do is using the cord of the eye, you can, effectively kind of like tune in to its parent you can it's like a relic that sort of the parent can sense so that's what willem was using at bergenworth and that's where rom came from that he uh willem had used the cord of the eye to get in contact with cause and then this rom person had tried had like started changing as a result of contact with Cos and she became the spider thing. And what, and, and uh, as a result of what the hunters did at the hamlet, at the coastal fishing village thing, uh, Cos, Cos, Cos might be quote unquote dead, but because Cos is a psychic like creature that can persist forever. She is not actually dead. It's just like her, her consciousness still exists, even though her body's been cut up. So she has placed a curse upon the blood of Yarnum and upon everyone in Yarnum. So what happens is that uh, Mikolash is trying to basically repeat what happened with Rom, but with himself. He's trying to get in contact with Koz again because he basically thinks that he is smarter and more enlightened than Rom. So when he gets in contact with Koz, he will be able to, um, he will, he will become something else. He will become like, he'll, he'll be the first human to properly become a superior being. So that's what he was off doing in his nightmare place. But, um, he, because he did not have the cord of the eye that Willem did, he he and the school of Mensis had gone down and they had got a cord of the eye from Queen Yarnum. So the reason that like her child is gone is because they have her cord of the eye. And again, her child is is again like cause dead, but the spirit of the child persists. So by liberating that cord of the eye from that other creature called the wet nurse, you have liberated the spirit of Yarnum's child. So, 
A similar thing happens with Cos, where you meet what is effectively the ghost of Cos's child, who has been in- There's a lot of, of afterlife imagery that's used that's, I think, lost on most- uh, Westerners who play it because it's it's like um, specific sort of Buddhist hell imagery and the area where you fight the orphan of uh, it's called the orphan of cause it's causes causes abandoned child is designed specifically to look like the part of hell where children who die before their parents are sent so it's all very sort of symbolic it's not really rational and in you you have to confront the sort of ghost demonic sort of twisted version of Cos's child and upon defeating that child that lifts the curse on Yarnum basically um the problem is at this point Yarnum's ruined anyway so there's nothing you can do about it but it at least pacifies Cos's anger and um so we now have if you count the three if you count the the court of the eye from Bergenworth which we get from another character but it's slightly confusing and the court of the eye that Mensis were using if we go back to Yarnum we find that Ariana has given birth and she's given birth to also to the child of a great one which uh we have to kill it's mm. yeah um didn't I don't like that part so if you kill Ariana's <laughs> horrible slug child um, she will die as well. She's sort of doomed regardless of what happens. And she, um, that gives you a third, third chord slash third chord of the eye. There is a, there is a, a part of, um, on the way to the Nightmare of Mensis, you sort of pass through a nightmare version of the old Bergenworth. And in this old version of Bergenworth, you find like some, some notes. Um, notes that we're attempting to figure out what, how to do this uh, ascension to a higher species thing. And it mentions that something about three, th- there's something specific about three chords of the eye. There's something special about having three of them. So we will just assume that we, we read this note and we use our three chords of the eye. It doesn't appear to do anything, but then we will go back to the cottage in the dream. We discover that it's now burning down. And the doll says to us, "You, um, German is waiting for you. Go to him. And you go to him and he offers to, says, okay, everything's good. Thank you. Um, I'll now free you from the dream. Like you've completed your mission. Uh, everything's, I mean, it's not fine because Yarnum's fucking destroyed, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> He's basically like, <laughs> okay, you, you did good. Um, I'll let you live now. So you can choose there to have him decapitate you. And if he does that, you just wake up in Yarnum. And like everything's ruined, but you're free and you can just leave. But we don't want to do that. So we fight German. Um, and then upon German being defeated, this another one of these great ones descends in front of the moon. It's called the Moon Presence. And it looks like a, a random collection of veins. And it it uh, embraces us like we're a child. And then when it does that, there is this sudden weird reaction that is the result of us taking in the three third chords. 
and it's suddenly repelled by us and it becomes extremely aggressive and attacks us. So we can now kill it. And when we kill it, we're not entirely sure what happens, but in the next scene, we have succeeded at becoming a new species and we are now a strange kind of slug thing that's referred to as like, this is an infant form of a great one. Like you've become, you've, you finally did it. You know, you did what, what Rom and Willem and Mikolaj were incapable of, and you're now the new great one. And that's, so yeah, um, beginning at Thumaru and going through to the great one infancy, that is like the dawn of human civilization. <laughs> Through to the birth of a new species in one game, which is why it's kind of overwhelming to talk about. But that is what happens in Bloodborne. <laughs> I left out a bunch of other stuff that's not immediately related to the plot, mm -hmm. but that is roughly what happens. Well, that was amazing. I'm really impressed. <laughs> to be honest, I wasn't sure how it was going to go because... Yeah. The whole thing is so convoluted, but you did super good. Thank you. Thank you. No, and it's it's really cool because I did have a couple of people who messaged me and were like, you know, they really like the lore, but they were wondering if we could have some sort of a base explanation for what's yeah. going on. Because it's true. We do have like random, um, you know, random, I guess, excerpts of the yeah, game in terms yeah. of lore here and there. And some of them are pretty like convoluted. So you actually have to sort of know the game pretty well to yeah, understand some yeah. of them. So, no, this is really cool. And even, like, I guess for people who know the lore, this would be a really cool podcast to just, like, chillax to. I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, or fall asleep to, because you have, you know, that thing that I don't have. You have this calm, chill yeah. voice. Well, if, if you're not one of the four million people who watched Varty's video that basically <laughs> recapped the same information, I'm sure this is very helpful. <laughs> There we go. Um, yeah, and uh, as you were talking, I actually wrote down some questions that okay. I wanted to ask you, but, okay. but. it's like 3 a.m. So, so what I'm thinking is um, we can like do this another time, which could be like a post uh, question period. Okay, okay. <laughs> for this podcast. Okay. And like, yeah, and also I created a thing on my Discord yeah, uh, where people can, like, post questions they have. Okay. So I kind of keep track of it there. And I guess so if anybody has any question, they can, like, message or write them somewhere or, like, Twitter them or whatever. Yeah, okay. And we could, like, answer them in in the next podcast relating to this. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah? Okay. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Richard. Okay. Bye-bye. No. No. What did you forget? Smash that like button. And <laughs> if you're one of those people who every time I say anything responds with, once again, Richard is dead wrong. Because I'm trying to be succinct and I don't have time to include in video citations for literally everything. Why not leave a comment, which we won't read, but it helps with the search algorithm. So, basically, every time you leave a message c 
complaining about this podcast, you're actually making it more popular. <laughs> like, I always hate it when people do that, where, like, they make some really objectionable, horrible video, and they're like, well, you're just helping it become more popular by disliking it. But in this case, like, you actually are. Like, this. <laughs> So it's like, leave a bad comment for Richie. Help Sinclair. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? You can join Sinclair's Discord, which is not my Discord. Uh, I will never have a Discord because I I briefly moderated a forum between like 2003 and 2005, and it was hideous. And I will never yeah. moderate anything again. Um. Uh. You can buy Sinclair a coffee at- is it Kofi or Kofi? You can just do that. Um, (laughs) What I really meant was for you to just say that there's a Discord link. There's a Discord link in the video description. uh, (laughs) If you want to join Sinclair's Discord. That was about the main point of this, but thank you for all the other stuff. (laughs) <laughs> Smash that like button <laughs> uh, and join the Snack oh. Covenant today. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually cute. Oh, I like that one. No, it's a parody of what someone would say. I know, but it's so cute because it's like it's like you know the way I picture it is like you press like and then like you get snacks that jump out of the screen. Yeah, at you. but that's not that doesn't work at all. That's. There's no way you can make YouTube actually give you food. Oh, yeah. Everyone should check out Aegon's channel. Yeah. We've been on that. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And, yeah, I'll I'll link Aegon's social media and channel in the in description. Yeah. Yeah. It's Aegon of Astora. He's really nice yeah. and cool. He is. And, oh, Richie, you may not know this, but Richie also has a channel and a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's also in every description of the video. And the theme song of these podcasts is Up In My Jam. <laughs> That's also in the description. It's also in the description. Um, I've, I've written one really long description in my life, and I actually had to rewrite it several times because it was over the character limit. Oh, no. What was that? It was a description of an old trailer. It was on old VHSs when I was a kid, and I felt the need to describe, like, every single part of it. I didn't understand any of it. (laughs) (sighs) To give a- yeah. Oh, yeah, that's You should link to my other channel. That's what I was about to say. My much better channel, yeah. Richie has another channel. It's- it is a much better channel. Yeah, it's- it's amazing. If you're a fan of old VHS tapes and- off-air recordings of ads from regional Australia from 2006. <laughs> this place is on the money. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Richie. Thank um, you. Am I, am I still the co-host? Because if I'm the co-host, you shouldn't say thanks. Yeah. No, I shouldn't that, thank you. Isn't well, that thank, like you is what you would, thank you is what you would say to a guest. Well, what do I tell you? I don't know. Just seems weird. These parts where we're just awkwardly discussing things we don't understand, this is like, this is what people come for. (laughs) 
so anyone who was like, yeah, I fucking know the story of Bloodborne. I don't care. This is the little, this is the bonus for you at the end. It's this incoherent oh. nonsense. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. So, so I won't say thank you to you anymore. Fine. I'll just be like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. How about that? That's, that's like the subtext of a lot of what you say. Oh. <laughs> making it overt. <laughs> you know, there's there's a, a place opposite me, like a cafe, and its name is uh, EAU space VERT, which is meant to be like overt, but also over. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's such a convoluted name, and it just makes me think, like, what is it, green? Because it's like ver, and I'm like, is it? Is that a good name? Anyway, they're not doing terribly well, and I blame the name. They're most The busiest I've seen them is when the meth lab next door was discovered by the police, and all the police oh had to God. go to over. To get their coffee while they were busting the meth lab. <laughs> you lead such an exciting life, Richard. I watched the whole meth lab like thing from my window. You took pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I didn't. I got the picture from the newspaper. Oh. Did you know okay. that they've tried burying the story? Like they've deleted it from their website. Why? I don't know, but I suspect they were, someone has contacted them about, like, lowering the value of the houses by implying that there's a, like, it's like oh, a crime-ridden area. We have two crime houses in this street. There's the meth lab house, and, and, and then there's another crime house down the end of the street. What's the other crime house? That was a guy who stole 200 socks. <laughs> it was great. Um, I went- I was going past there in the morning at like 5am, and I saw that the front yard was just filled with socks that were, like, just- they were still in packets, they were just all over the- if you just imagine How? someone's front lawn- well, this is the thing, the front lawn was just covered in socks, and I'm like, that's a bit weird. <laughs> is, is- is this some sort of modern art exhibition, or what? Um, but it was 5am, so I didn't, like- but I just went home again, and then I read the paper, and it was like, uh, local man has been arrested for stealing 200 pairs of socks from a warehouse. I thought, ah, that explains it. So he, he stole 200 pairs of socks from a warehouse and then just left them in his front yard. And I, it was quite easy to figure out who had stolen them. I don't know what his end game was. No, no, what if he was framed? Well, no, because I've seen the guy do other shit and he's extremely shady. <laughs> I've seen him almost kill people several times. Okay, well, oh my because god. Because he, he has this shitty, like, car that he's obsessed with working on. And every so often he will just reverse it at, like, maximum speed across both lanes of traffic. To get Jesus. out of his... Yeah, I'm surprised no one's been killed yet. We need to start you a GoFundMe so you can, like, get out of this neighborhood, Richie. Uh... <laughs> no, well, he... As long as I don't walk in front of his driveway or attempt to buy meth, it should be fine. <laughs> okay. I was going to just point out that, like, 
the people across the road were making meth and the people directly next door to me are a police officer. <laughs> this is like a Breaking Bad type of scenario. No, it's, it's great. It's the people next to me. It's a police officer and his wife is the editor of the local paper. So it's like the absolute worst situation in which you could be attempting to do anything secretive. Oh my god. <laughs> but they successfully ran a meth lab for several months. Several months, huh? Yeah. Oh. It's a share house. They were rotating the people in there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's 3am for you and 5pm for me. Okay. What, yeah. are you, what are you gonna do with the rest of your time? Um... Probably go to the supermarket. To the shops? The shop. I wrote shop with two P's and an E, and then I put an umlaut above the O to make it even more European. That's fancy, man. The shop. <laughs> Ein shop. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'm gonna cool. go sleep. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop recording because this is fucking catastrophe. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>